everybody and thank you for joining us on this episode of chatting with country today on the line with me i have teacher yes <laughs> good morning you said it correctly teacher <laughs> how are you doing this morning i am blessed i am so blessed this morning i'm just glad the sun is out so you know the sun came in on me this morning so I think I'm a little excited too hopefully spring come on and spring in here man I, I could deal with a little cold weather but I cannot deal with not seeing the sun I know gotta uh, see the sun yeah <laughs> um, no it's a little it was like five months for us I think we skipped over fall here because I'm in Washington and like the trees had just started to change colors and it snowed and stayed all the way up until now. So, wow. Yeah. I don't know what's with this weather. I was in San Diego actually less than two weeks ago and um, the weather was actually, it was cool, but decent. And a lot of people that live there were saying that their weather has just been so messed up lately, like the Mm -hmm. snow and the flood. It's just been really messed up. So I'm just, yeah, I'm waiting on spring. <laughs> <laughs> and they got hit with a lot of snow over there. Man, I was just like, wow. Um, they always talk about that I-5 um, being disconnected, like an earthquake going to come and separate it, and we going to end up with oceanfront property. Lord forbid that ever happened during my times because my daughter on that side of the world. <laughs> but they always talk about that. And so looking at the weather and what it's doing over there on that side, um, on the West Coast now, it's just like maybe this is gonna happen. So I don't know. Mm. It's weird, but, but you know the old the old folks. You know the old the old women and the, the the religious women always say these are the signs that that you know they they keep saying every year the end of the world. This is this is this is mm-hmm. these are signs. The Book of Revelation. These are the signs. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, share with us a little bit about you. You can start as young or as old as you like, but tell us a little bit about you. Um, well, um, for starters, my first name is Chicha. Um, my middle name is Tequila. Um, just like the the liquor, spelled just like the liquor. Mm-hmm. Um, I was born actually in Mississippi. I was born in a town called Charleston, Mississippi, or better known as Tallahatchie County, Mississippi. Um, it's about 50 miles south of Memphis, about 25 miles south of um, Basefield, Mississippi, uh, not that far from Greenville, Greenwood. Um, so, yeah, I am actually a country girl. Um, I always crack the joke that uh, my social security number always starts in four, which lets people know that I am not from around here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I was born in Mississippi. Um, pretty much after my mom had me, um, we stayed in Mississippi just a little bit. And then after that, she migrated to Chicago, um, with my dad. Um, and so, uh, pretty much Chicago is what, where I grew up. I grew up, um, originally on the East side. Um, as a kid, I grew up literally two blocks from the Chicago South Shore uh, Cultural Club. Um, so I grew up on the East side. Um, and then moved over to um, 74th and, and, and King Drive, kind of wh- where my dad stays now. Um, I'm pretty much my mom's only child. So um, I am, yeah, my mom's only child. Um, I do have a half sister um, who lives in Chicago. Um, and so I've been living in Chicago since I was a little girl, but I spent every summer from a little girl up until my freshman year of high school. I spent every summer in Mississippi with my grandmother, like literally the last day of school, I would leave and um, I would go head down south, whether that was by bus. Um, Back in the day, they took you everywhere in a car. So they fried chicken and wrapped it up in foil and froze the pops and mm-hmm. wrapped them up in the foil. And, <laughs> and you got in the backseat and you headed down the highway mm-hmm. uh, with however many kids, however many adults, you made it work. So um, literally every summer I would go spend with my grandmother. And while I was there in the summer, I would stay with other relatives between Mississippi and Tennessee. Um, and then I would come back and, and go to school and I would literally 
look forward to my school year going so fast just so I can get back down south to my to my grandmother again. Um, because I am my grandmother's third oldest grandchild, but I was the one I was the one child, a grandchild that was always around my grandmother. So um, I have a really close relationship with my grandmother as well as my uncles. Um, my grandmother has six boys and three girls, and um, all of my uncles and aunties um, always love having me around. So I just, I really love being around my aunties and my uncles and my grandmother. So I really do love Mississippi and, and all that I have inherited from going there in the summer. Um, and everything that I've um, inherited and everything that my grandmother has instilled with me, who I am today is because of all those summers in Mississippi, how I know how to cook. <laughs> that comes from, you know, my summers in Mississippi, um, learning how to cook multiple vegetables that came from Mississippi. Um, so a lot of who I am today, although I've lived in the city and although I haven't spent the summer since, my high school years going back to like 95 or um, before that. But a lot of who I am today as a woman, as a mother, um, as a wife comes from the roots um, and foundation that I, I picked up in Mississippi. Um, so fast forward, grew up on the South side of Chicago. Um, like I said, once we, my dad moved from the East side, we moved over to 74th and King drive where he is today. Um, and I went to High Park Career Academy in Chicago on Stony Island. Um, and I went there for four years. I was a, a honor student at High Park, uh, graduated number number six in my class when I graduated in 1996. Um, I'm not going to lie. I was a, how can I say, I was a, a athlete. I was a volleyball player. Um, but I was also like a nerd, but I was a cute nerd. I was a popular nerd. Mm -hmm. um, but then I also had other friends who were not in honors classes. And, you know, you always have sometimes a, a mix of not necessarily all your friends who are just like you. You do have some friends that are like on the other side of that spectrum. And so I had a really good group of friends in um, high school. Mm -hmm. So um, went to high school, did my honors classes. I actually joined a program called the Upper Bound Program when I was in high school. So I went through that all four years of my high school career, um, which entailed all around schooling. So even in the summertime, I took classes all four years of high school. I never really got a break. Um, and then in 2000, I graduated, um, went to University of Illinois. I got accepted into computer engineering because that was actually my first love. Um, as a kid, I used to love tearing things apart and building it back up um, or just building things. So I thought that computer engineering would be a future for me. So I applied and got accepted into engineering and went to U of I and started computer engineering. Um, and then I'll tell you, I got my one and only F of my academic career, my junior year in college. And then I went from uh, computer engineering to sociology. <laughs> I switched my major. <laughs> oh, that made you feel some kind of way, huh? Oh, it really did. It really did because it was already hard for black people already for a university of Illinois in engineering. Um, and then what you don't realize is, yeah, they admit you, they admit you into the college, but then they're going to make it hard as hell for you to be mm -hmm. successful. So like my first two years, I had an advisor, which was a white woman. And, um, I'm not going to lie. She, to me, I just felt like she used to just give me the, the shittiest advising. Like one semester she had me taking 18 hours, um, like it was just, it was just the worst. And I, and I realized she didn't have my best interest at heart. And then some of our professors, um, cause it was a, it was a group of us. It was a group of black engineers on campus and we all kind of hung together cause we all struggled together academically. Mm. And, um, when I started seeing like the, the politics behind the engineering campus and, and, you know, how all these professors, they get paid and stuff, but they don't want to help you, especially not a first generation, not a low income student. They're not trying to help you. Um, and so honestly, after I got the F and I just really started looking back and I was like, I didn't even have fun doing this. Like I didn't have fun taking chemistry. I didn't have fun taking statistics. I didn't have fun, you know, taking econ and ECE electrical engineering classes. I just looked back on it and I was like, I really didn't have fun. Like I, I got my work did and I got my grades, but I really didn't have fun. And so at the time I was a work study student in the sociology department 
And um, I had been taking a few 100 level classes and things as electives. And I really enjoyed the topic of sociology, the study of people. Um, and I found it very interesting. And um, I knew how to write. I knew how to talk. I knew how to examine critical thinking. Um, and so it just, it made sense for me to switch over to sociology. Um, and so I switched over to sociology and um, I took summer classes one summer. I took three classes in one summer to catch up. So I went and graduated a year late and in city graduating in May of 2000, I graduated in December of 2000 with my bachelor's in um, sociology. And it was actually U of I's, um, U of I is actually where I met Jimmy. That's where um, the story of Jimmy Lee comes into my <laughs> life because I actually, I met him at University of, of Illinois. So that's how kind of our, our paths originally crossed. And so that was back in, um, I met Jimmy. I initially met him in kind of the 98, but like actually started maybe talking to him, conversing with him in 1999. Because he was also, um, he was a, a graduate sociology um, student. So that's where uh, my, my, you know, my paths crossed with him at University of Illinois. Okay. So, so uh-oh, go ahead. Uh, oh, no, no, no. So I was going to say, so um, everything after U of I has uh, Jimmy in that story. Because everything that once we... Once we connected and went through our dating phase and things of that nature, um, is is literally been him and I since since about nineteen ninety nine two thousand. Okay, I am um, going to actually do a a healthy um, episode with you all because you all have a story to tell. Um, and it's a lot of people that look up to you all without even saying that they do. And I, feel I recently like realized that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jimmy did. He doesn't. He still doesn't. Even to this day, he still says, "I don't. I don't believe that. That that ain't that ain't true." Mm, and yes, I said, "I think is. people do. They may not tell yeah. you, yeah. but they, I think they do." Yeah, I think you all have a a lot to um, share. You know, even through the tough times and through now, you know, you have your mountain days, I call them mountain days, you have your valley days, you have your in-between. And and that's what make uh couples stay together and healthy. I think as the elders, they didn't really disclose what they went through. We just saw them together. Yep. You know, and they had separate families and all type of stuff, but they were still in there rocking together through the tears and the sweat. And so oh, yeah. I think if we have more of these conversations, it give that younger generation a little bit more to look into. But I was going to go back to um, the cold chicken and the car rides, right? <laughs> <laughs> because the cold chicken was the bomb. And they, you know, nowadays they would be like, oh, that's not healthy, but it sustained right. us. So, um, <laughs> so tell me more about the foundation, how important is that in that spiritual connection? Because I really feel like that family unit is important and that's what our kids today are missing. They are. Well, I would, I would tell you this. Uh, first and foremost, my grandmother, she's born and raised in Charleston, Mississippi. That's all she knows is Mississippi. Um, this is a woman who doesn't catch a train, doesn't catch a plane. If she can't step out the car and put her feet on the ground, she ain't going. Um, so she's very, very old school. My grandmother was 13 turning 14 when she had um, her first child, which is my oldest uncle. Then my, my mom, she had next. So my mom was the second um, out of nine kids. Um, and so my grandmother forego, you know, her education as a kid, um, literally had a, had a child at 14 and became a housewife. That that's all honestly, truly what my grandmother knows. Um, being a, a housewife to my grandfather, um, who I never met, he passed away way before I was even thought of, but um, she was just a, a wife to him. Now my grandfather had, you know, the, the 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 classic Mississippi other family. He had one of those, and my grandmother said that she was uh, aware of it towards the, you know, the end before he passed away, but her logic was, what could she do about it? 
you know, as long as her kids didn't, didn't want for anything, you know, it was, I guess it was one of those, those code of silence things back in the day. You didn't, yeah. you didn't say anything to a man for having other women or other children and other families. You just went along with it. And my grandmother was, you know, fortunately and unfortunately one of those women, um, who went through that. So my grandmother has literally She's been in the same house since the year before I was born. She purchased her house in 1977. I was born in 1978. Um, so she's literally been in the same house um, for almost 45 years. My grandmother is very, very religious. Um, and it's weird because my great-grandmother, who I love like beyond anything, uh, my great-grandmother used to be real mean to my grandmother. Like it was weird, the dynamics of a mother and daughter, but my, it was almost like my great grandmother really couldn't stand my grandmother out of all her kids. For that reason, my grandmother was the, that one child that it was like oil and oil and water with them. Mm. But then my great grandmother ended up having a real bad stroke and none, none of her other kids would take her in. And my grandmother ended up taking her in and taking care of her for like over 12 years before she finally passed away. Mm. And I just always thought to me that, that made me look at my grandmother so different because I just said, wow, you put all your feelings aside for this woman who literally treated you like garbage. And now you're she's in your house and you're taking care of her full time. You know, you got nurses coming in, things of that nature. So there's a part of me that has always admired my grandmother um, and her work ethic and how she raised her kids and how she made sure she did whatever it was she had to do to. Um, provide for her kids, especially after my grandfather, you know, passed away. She she was there with eight kids. She had the ninth um, child, my last uncle, my baby uncle. She had him with a different man. So eight kids have the same father. Then my last uncle has a different um, father. Um, and so, you know, I, I've I've seen my grandmother take care of a lot of people. Like my grandmother is very known in, in my hometown. Um, her name is La Laura, um, L-A-U-R-A. Um, her middle name is May, the country stuff. And everybody know her as Bay May um, in our hometown. So um, recently when she turned 80, a few years back, they gave her a party in town and like everybody in town showed up because everybody loves my grandmother like that. Um, so honestly, for me, it's just, I really love being around my grandmother and around my family in Mississippi, um, especially that since my mom was in Chicago, I really didn't have any family up here. Um, so like all my cousins would be down south, my aunties, my, everybody would be down south. So um, I'm not going to lie. When I was younger, I used to always wonder, like, why would she move here away from her family and alienate herself? here in the midwest just being the only relative here but that's what she did that was that was the path she you know she chose so, so like she saw opportunity in it she did um mm. you know and i asked my mom you know questions when i got older you know like what made her come to um what made her come to chicago and things of that nature and for her um it was it was simply a life decision she got pregnant with me um and my dad is not my biological dad. So when she got pregnant with me, my biological dad actually chose to move on. He actually joined the military. And so he left. And so I guess you could say my mom was one of them type of women. She was pregnant, but didn't have a man around. And then my dad came down to Mississippi to visit. Um, he says he saw my mom. He said he fell in love with her. He, he thought she looked like a model and the rest is history. Um, and so that's just kind of how it happened. And um, according to him, he never paid attention or um, differentiated the fact that, you know, she was already pregnant and, and vice versa and things of that nature. So he just scooped her up and brought her to Chicago. And that was all that was all she wrote. My mom had been in Chicago from like 79 up until she passed. She passed in 2006 and she had been living in Chicago since like 79, 80 when um, he relocated her from Mississippi to um, Chicago. So very, very deep roots in the South. Very, very deep. Eventually, I do want to relocate somewhere in the South to, to retire. and. That's one of my to, questions. So you just hold that thought. 
<laughs> I got I got something wrote up. Um before when I get up in the mornings or when I'm about to do a podcast, I, I do some speaking with God and um I got a, a funny kind of style question that's written kind of to go with that. So that's cute. Just hold on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, going back to your grandmother, um, and just listening to her foundation, um, it came up. The Bible says, honor thy mother. You don't have to like them, but you still honor them. And your grandmother um, is an honorable woman, and that shows humility, right? Mm -hmm. And it speaks volume as a strong woman. And so it's things like that that these younger women are missing out on. They don't even get to see that part of life. And so that's a seed that she deposited into you, right? I have to honor you. I don't have to like you. No matter what you did, I'm still going to bring you in and take care of you when nobody else will. That, mm -hmm. you know, that says, that says a, a mouthful um, in itself. If you can invite three, if you could invite three people to a dinner party, who would it be? Ooh, um, ooh, past, present, deceased, alive, doesn't matter. Yep, don't matter. Um, well, definitely first would be my mom. Hello. Your phone cut out, so try to um, tap your screen. Okay, there you go. I'm sorry. There you go. Uh huh. Okay, and so um, my mom instilled in me the concept of love, and by me being her only child, that's all she poured it to me was love. Um, love for yourself, just love for, for each other, but definitely love for family. My mother was the oldest sister. Um, you know, she had two other sisters, it was three girls, but my mom was the oldest girl and she was next under the oldest boy. So my uncle and my mom were the two that kind of ran the clan. Um, and so she took care of her brothers and sisters. Um, even when my mom got sick and everything, she was still taking care of my uncles and sending them stuff and money and different things like that and helping them out. But she always made me feel loved like just always surrounding me with that um just telling me you know just how pretty I was or how beautiful I was how smart I was just um just from all angles just giving me that 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 affection and, um like she was a hugger so we always hugged she always kissed me um again I was her only child so she always kissed me and hugged me always told me every day she loved me you know always asked me how I was doing, what was going on, um, always very caring. Um, and even before she got physically sick where she couldn't do a lot of stuff, um, I was spoiled as heck. Um, it, it, it wasn't nothing for my mom to take me to lunch or take me shopping or take me somewhere. Um, it was nothing for her to do that. Like she, she always wanted to do something with me. And so as a, as a young kid, I learned very at a very young age that for me that's how I am as a person I'm an emotional person and I think that has to do with how my mom raised me up to not necessarily be emotional but to tap into my emotions because mm -hmm. you know you, you you do have some women that are women but the way they're built like you're like man y'all some hard women like y'all ain't got no love in y'all heart like y'all need a hug and so that's how my mother has always been with me. And so even with my approach to how I raised our two kids and um, even with, with, with me, with Jimmy, that's how I've always approached those situations from an emotional uh, love standpoint. I love hard. I'm very emotional. And so it was, it was our relationship and the things that she did them to make me know that that's a, it's okay to to be who I am. It's okay to be emotional. It's okay to show people love. It's okay to show people compassion. Even in a world where people think that that's not cool anymore, people don't think is it exists. That's where I got that foundation from, and and it definitely started with my grandmother. 
Um, Because like I said, she took care of everybody and it took a bigger woman to still love a person who hated on you for so many years and you end up taking care of them. And even even when my great grandmother was even sick and bedridden, she was still mean to my my grandmother. It it was hilarious. It wasn't funny at the time. But like when my grandmother would try to feed her, she would hold her mouth tight so hard so my grandmother couldn't feed her. Or like if my grandmother was trying to bathe her, she would lock her hands up and her feet up. So she still had that hatred in her heart. Even while she was laying on the bed where she couldn't get up, was bedridden, my great-grandmother still had them that, that, that like... Do your grandma look like her father? You know what? My gra- I've never seen a picture of my uh, my grandmother's father. According to my grandmother, and this is... I got to laugh at this because this is always a joke in our house. But according to my grandmother, her father was a white man. Mm. My great grandmother looks like a um, my great grandmother looks like a Native American woman. She looks more Native American than black. Um, just from pictures and just from when I was a little kid growing up with her. Um, and so when I asked my grandmother about that, my grandmother says that um, her father is white. But like literally, she never really had a relationship with him or anything. She knew of his existence, but that was it. And for so me I listening, don't... that's what I would say. That's where you know the dislike came from. from yeah, me. yeah, because she had to look at her child every day. Yep, you know, and yep. we don't know what what the circumstance was, and you know. She kept her right, but then mm-hmm. she we we just don't know. We don't know the trauma that she went through or what left that scar for her to dislike her child. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And it was my it was my mother, it was my grandmother and my grandmother's sister who's now deceased. But it was those two daughters that mm-hmm. my great grandmother always had an issue with. But the other daughters and the other sons, like my grandmother's other brothers and all that, they didn't go through that with my grandmother and what um, my Aunt Lucy Mae went through. They didn't go through what the other kids went through. And so it does. It makes me think about it. When, you know, first thing when my grandmother said that her dad is white, first thing I thought about was, was my great grandmother raped? Is that where this came about? That I mean, back then in those times, that was very common. This is Mississippi. So that was the first thing I thought. I said, well, was my great-grandmother a previous slave? And this was her slave. You know, it's so yeah. many thoughts that come in, but my grandmother can't recollect enough to tell me yes or no. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it was that, that, that deep hate that she had that. Because she, my grandmother said that my great-grandmother put her out that's part of the reason why my grandmother got pregnant at 13, 14, because my great grandmother put her out. And so my grandmother met my grandfather and okay, he was an older man, but I mean, that's what they were doing back then in Mississippi was older men with younger women they would get them and they would, you know, get them pregnant. And that's what that's, that was the story that they wrote. And so it was parts of my grandmother life that she looked back on that her life probably would have been different if my great grandmother had treated her differently. So when you think about them, them family, um, them family links, they're really, they're really deep, Talisha. They're really, really deep. And one thing people don't talk about, um, and I went to a, a, a seminar on this, uh, like last year and it was about trauma and it was about the different types of trauma and the number one trauma that's in the world that most people don't talk about is generational trauma. The trauma that stays within a family from generation to generation to generation because no one talks about it, deals with it, um, or even just takes the time to just explain that part of the history to their children and their grandchildren. Everybody, you know, these families have these secrets and they put them in a box and they keep them closed and nobody opens them. And if you ask about them, you may get cussed out. So it is it's a lot of it's a lot of dynamics to 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 black families in America. I'll, I'll say that at least. All right, who's your other two people at your dinner party? Uh, definitely my grandmother. So definitely my mom and my grandmother. Um, I'm gonna be honest. The last person I would put Jimmy at my table, and the reason why I say that is not because um I'm trying to uh make him feel good or anything on a Saturday morning, but 
Because I've literally been with Jimmy half my life. I will be 45 in October. I met Jimmy when I was 19, turning 20. So I've literally been around, I've been around Jimmy um, just the second longest as I've been around my grandmother and my mother. <laughs> so That's your um, bro husband. <laughs> right. So it's like, I've literally, I've literally been around him since I was 19. And so, like I said, I'm 45 now. So, um, outside of my, outside of my dad, he's the only, you know, male that's been in my life consistently this long. But the reason why I said him is just because of all the things that I've learned from him in the 25 years. Um, you know, I always say like, Jimmy's like an onion. He got a lot of layers that you pull back. And, you know, people think onions are bad because they make you cry and everything. But you chop up some onions, you cook them. Onions are fat. So mm -hmm. it's just like, or put them in your salad raw, you know. And so um, I've learned just as much from him as I have my mother and my grandmother and, and, and uh, other people of that nature. So I would say those three people. What is your favorite cereal? Man, this is crazy because I don't I don't even eat cereal anymore. But back in the day, this gonna sound so lame. I used to like honey smacks. You remember the, mm, the cereal the that, that used... looked like roaches? Yes, the ones that looked like roaches and had the frog on the front. Those things used to be so loaded with sugar and sweetness. Those things used to be good. And then the reason why I like them, and I know this is gonna sound so petty. But I was the only child. And so I'm not going to lie. I was spoiled. And at times I did have real bad ways. And when kids would come over, they didn't like them because they looked like roaches. So I didn't have to share my cereal with other people. So that's why I like them, too. That's kind of bad. But yeah, honey smacks. <laughs> oh, that is hilarious. <laughs> oh, God. If you could live anywhere in the world and not have to work for money, where would you live and what would you do there? You said, where would I live and what? And what would you do there? Ooh, anywhere in the world. I've never been here, but I, I do want to go. Um, and even though, like, everything popping in my head, like Greece, Africa, all these different places, um, Hawaii. And the reason why is because I like gardening. I like growing things. Um, and so I think that Hawaii just has a, a really great environment that I could go there. And if I didn't have to work, I can actually have my gardens. Um, and see, with Hawaii being surrounded by so much water, I could take a hydroponic, you know, approach to growing things. So I, I really, I would, I would go retire somewhere and sit in Hawaii and just grow me gardens and food and, and, and do all that great stuff. So would you put a house in Mississippi? You know what? This is a funny thing, and I've always said this. I said that I never really wanted to go back and live in, like, my hometown or anything. I would do, like, a vacation house. So, like, maybe a couple of months after the year, I would go live in that house. But, like, permanently, if I could just move to Hawaii and just stay there forever, I would do that. Yeah, me too. I'm right there with you. That's my place. That is my I would place. do that. Yeah. I would do that. <laughs> I want to go before the year is out. Uh, that's just, that's my place. I just, I don't know. They don't care about time and you can just wear your Jesus slippers all day, every day and just I Jimmy went, Jimmy went to Hawaii a few years ago for uh, a professional conference, him and one of his co-workers. And um, I saw his pictures, and I'm not gonna lie, I fell in love just by looking at his pictures from Hawaii. Like mm -hmm. it, it was just, I I want to get back, I want to get there, I want to get there in the next about two to three years, if not sooner. Really, in the next year, I want to go. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So when you hear loving yourself, what does that mean to you? Um. Loving yourself. I think the first thing is acceptance. Because I think in order to love yourself, you have to accept who you are, the good and the bad. Like, it's, it's women that walk around knowing they're crazy, knowing they lightweight. Um, can I say bitches? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, you know, you know, it's a lot of women that walk around knowing they bitches. 
knowing they bitches and how they treat people and how they act. But we'll never stop and admit that they bitches. Like, we'll never stop and admit that they bitches. So I think one thing about loving yourself, you got to admit with all the good stuff that you are and you do, you got to admit like, yeah, I'm crazy. Yeah, I'm a little touched. Yeah, I'm a little psycho here and there. Like, you have to, you have to accept all parts of yourself. Um, I think loving yourself means not being so critical on yourself based on what you think other people um, are supposed to feel or like about you. I think, you know, one thing that I, I've always appreciated about a person like Jimmy and my dad is that they're, they're people that don't care about what other people say, think, look, or whatever. Whereas I don't care about it, but sometimes my actions may gravitate around what I think that perception is of what I'm doing. So I may not go as hard or I may not do this because in the back of my mind, I still have that slight perception of what other people may, you know, I'm like, well, I'm a teacher. I can't be out here at the bar on top of the counter. You know, I'm in education. I can't be seen, you know, at this club or, and, and you know, I've learned that that's me. That's who I am. I talk mm-hmm. a lot. Um, when I'm nervous, I, especially when I'm nervous, I talk a lot. I'm corny with my jokes. You know, um, I probably have white people humor sometimes. I know a lot of white people songs. So you just have to love everything about yourself. I when you say. They call me clueless sometimes, but I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, I'm I love sorry. white people music sometimes. I love all that. And, mm-hmm. and that's what makes me who I am. I'm, I'm very emotional. You know, my kids and Jimmy would tell you that. Um, if I say good morning and you don't say it the way I think you can, then that throws off my emotions. And, you know, I try not to be that way, but that's just how I am. That's just how my brain is wired. So I think when you say love yourself, you got to love the good and the bad. You know, some women only love themselves when they got makeup on, when they got on clothes. I, I want to love myself when my breath stank, when my hand done, you know, when I'm feeling bloated, I want to love myself all the time, not just when I'm having the good times in life i want to love myself all all the time all the time and so for me that term love myself means loving myself every day even when i don't like the way i look i'm still loving myself i'm still working on myself so that's to me that's what love myself means loving everything about you unconditionally no matter what social media say you're supposed to be doing Mm -hmm. no matter what your friends say you you doing what's best for you because that's you know you you know a lot of people are afraid to be with themselves, by themselves. A lot of people can't take trips by themselves because they don't like themselves. They don't know how to be around themselves for, for a day. We know we talk about that all the time, how people can't take um, separate trips and things like that because they don't, they don't even like themselves enough to be able to be around themselves enough. So, yeah, love myself means loving everything about you, good and bad. What would you tell a younger woman? So if you was talking to your daughter, she about to get ready to go off and start doing her own thing. What is the conversation that you would have with her as far as loving herself? What would you tell the younger women? Um, one, that they are all great to start with. Um, I, I truly think that, and I know, and I, and I hate saying this because I always crack jokes. I say, you know, we be sounding like such old people every time we bring up social media. And, you know, when the kids mock us, the kids be like, it's social media, it's social media. But um, the TikTok and the, and the Snapchats and the, the videos and the reality TVs have really distorted um, how Black women look at themselves. And for me, just telling my daughter that she is great the way she is, um, just to, to start off with. Because the thing is, if you don't hear that you're great, you don't know that you're great, you're going to listen to whatever nigga tell you you're great. And that nigga may be a bad nigga that's telling you you're great. So I want you to know that you're great already so you don't have to depend on no nigga to tell you that you're great or depend on another person to tell you great. You already know that you're great. And when you know that you're great, that's how you're going to act. That's how your actions going to line up. So that's the first thing. Um, the second thing, there's this there's, there's this misconception with, with with a lot of women these days that they don't quote unquote need a man. 
And I'm just gonna I'm just gonna throw this out there. And it's probably gonna be a lot of women that would be upset with me for saying this, but women need a man. You need a man. Need a man. Mm-hmm. You need I don't know where this where this logic of um I'm a woman, I can do everything by myself because oh, no, you wow. can't. Yeah. You can't. So that's another thing. I'm not telling my daughter to go out here and look for no man, but if you happen to be in a good relationship with someone, don't try to make them feel small because you're trying to show just how independent you are. You can have both. You can have your independence to be who you are, and you can also have a small dependence on your man because that's what's supposed to happen in relationships. Mm-hmm. But somehow we got this narrative that, oh, I don't need a man for nothing. You know, I don't even need a man for sex. I got sex toys. No, it ain't the same as real. So mm-hmm. it's just, I, I want my daughter to understand that, yes, I want you to be strong. I want you to be black. I want you to be independent. I want you to do your thing. And I don't want you to let anybody stop you from doing that. But I also want to let her know, like, it's okay to also get in. A, and when you do get in that relationship, it's okay to have a little dependency on that person. Mm-hmm. Um, something else that I would tell my daughter is you could be friends with people without taking on their identity. Too many times. Too many times. And, and the reason why I say this is because I work with high, I work with high school kids. I'm an assistant director of a pre-college program. And so I deal with six different high schools, um, 130 students out of those six different high schools. And one of the things that I noticed year after year after year, and even with my own daughter, I've seen it a little bit, is that these kids don't know how to separate themselves from what their friends got going on, meaning that if my friend is Becky and Becky hate her mom and her dad and go through all this, that don't mean you come home and treat your mom and dad like shit because Becky don't like her mom and dad. But a lot of time these kids take on that identity um, of what other kids got going on. And so you, you got a kid who really don't have a bad pa- relationship with their parents, but because there's one friend that been around this other friend that got problems with their parents, mm-hmm. now subconsciously and indirectly, you're, you're, you're throwing some of that energy to your parents and don't even realize it's happening because it's on a subconscious level. That's psychology. And people don't understand that that's how your brain is wired. So that would be something I would tell my daughter, like just because your friend is it, just like, you could be that one cool friend among your ratchet friends. You could have 10 ratchet friends and you be the one non-ratchet friend. And that's okay. You don't have to be ratchet because they being ratchet. So like, just let her know, be you, do you. You don't have to seek approval from nobody. If, if the approval not coming from yourself first, because that's what's more important. It's not, it's not even, it's not even important what, what we as parents think of our kids at some point in their lives. It's more important what they think of themselves. But a lot of times these kids don't know how to think on their own. They just want to jump on whatever idea, whatever ideology that their friends have. They they take they take on trauma that's not even theirs because they think that's how they be a friend. And that's another thing. A lot of girls don't even know how to be friends to one another. You know, a lot of these little girls, I listened to my daughter this senior year and I didn't heard about so many female fights and stuff. And I'm just like, what is it with these little young girls that all they want to do is be physical and fight and cuss the out. And, not there. It's, and it's, it's just no like, it's, it's not. And it's sad. It, it's really sad because, you know, back when we were growing up, you looked at the girls as the sweet, innocent, you know, if nothing else, if you got a bunch of crazy niggas, you know, you got a group of girls that's going to balance it out. Now the girls are crazier than the crazy niggas. Yeah, yeah. So it's just like, I just don't want my daughter to be a part of that. Like the girl Suki, what's the girl name? Suki with the good coochie and all that. Like, oh, look, sad on me. I don't even know. Girl, look, I not no name. <laughs> man, me and Jimmy just happened to be flipping through channels and came across uh-huh. a show and came across this girl. And we was like, this is what the black girls are looking up to. This is what these girls are trying to emulate. Like, that's just sad. So the main thing I want to just tell my daughter is just be yourself. Sometimes it's okay to just be yourself, be as one. 
You don't got to run behind every chick and try to be like every chick and do what every other chick do. Just be you. Enjoy life. Do, do it for you. When you make decisions in life, my main thing I would tell her is do it for you. Whatever decisions in life you make, do them for you. Don't do them for other people. Um, going back to you can you can be friends with people and not take on their identity. I see that a lot in in marriages, um, in relationships that's been going on for a long time. Because you know, a lot of these immature women. They get around their friends, and if, if their friend's household is going through some stuff, they bring it home, yep. you know? And it's like you finding something to cause chaos in your home. Like, what's the why behind that? Yeah, you know, it, it's, it's you going to cause yourself to be by yourself because a lot of men aren't tolerating a lot of things anymore. They getting tired. Actually, oh, yeah. And, and filing for divorce, and so... Um, oh yeah. What you say, Suki with the suit, whatever Suki did or got. Um, <laughs> a lot of these older women are trying to take on this role too. Yeah, you know? it's like it's everything killing me right now. Yeah, because it's again, like don't sit your old ass down. Yeah. <laughs> I, I ain't gonna yeah. lie, I just be like, go sit y'all old ass down. Like this is not a hot girl summer. Some of y'all really need to go sit down and, and get y'all yeah. the rest of y'all life together. Seriously. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> oh, man. Man, man, man. I got a lot I can say to that. I'm letting it go. I'm letting it go. But <laughs> what is your greatest accomplishment? <laughs> you know what? Greatest accomplishment? Ooh, we. Mm. Man. I just think just because of my what my foundation my foundation is, I think my my greatest, greatest um, accomplishment, you know, even though I was the first one to graduate from college and my family, stuff like that. I think for me, having my two kids, I think having my, because when you, when you pull back the layers of childbirth and pregnancy and all that, it is a wonderful gift to be able to, um, house a baby in your body, keep that baby healthy, keep yourself healthy, deliver this baby, take care of this baby, raise this baby. And not till they get to two and three and five, but mm -hmm. all the way to some form of adulthood. And then you see the product of what you created actually in the world doing the things that you know that you've instilled in them. So for me, having my kids and being able to look at them as they start to partake on their um, adulthood and the next stages in life to me that that to me that that is a great feeling to know like wow I you know I helped produce these two human beings and they actually not too bad human beings like you know <laughs> like they're, they're they're not really you know when you think when you hear some you know I don't know if you have friends or associates but I'm pretty sure you know you hear other people talk about their kids and the blues that they're going through with the kids and like my son in these streets and my girl she keep you know messing with these boys and all that we I, I you know I'm knocking on wood but we we didn't have those issues with our kids so I am just you know blessed that we have it um but also extremely proud of of just seeing them in their elements, knowing that Jimmy and I are the two people that created them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I call it the harvest time. All of my kids are older, right? Mm. Um, I'll make you laugh <laughs> because you all are about to be empty nesters, right? Yep. And so um, I was on the road to that. And so I have six children, three girls, three boys. And okay. now I have, so my oldest will be 27 this year. And oh wow! I got Xander. Xander's eight. <laughs> what? Whoa! So then, so then, with that being said, um, I think I was too happy. Like, yes, they they stepping out. Everybody about to graduate, get out the house. And God was like, nope, not today. <laughs> wow! <laughs> so. I, you know what? I ain't gonna lie. I, I, um, my sister-in-law, her oldest is twenty-nine or thirty. And her baby is two. Mm -hmm. So it happens. And so it's just like she got two that's in their 20s and she has an 11-year-old then she has a two-year-old. a two year old. So it's just like, girl, well, well, you was there. Like, you was, it, you it was happens. there. 
happened. What happened? No, 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 no. No. I don't think that would ever be us. No, we're going to be empty nesters and we're going to be empty nesters until we get grandkids or whatever, whenever that comes. And hopefully that ain't too soon. So <laughs> it's always good to um, watch the harvest. Mm-hmm. Um, what you planted. Um, exactly. That is the most rewarding. Um, rewarding is, if I'm going to create a word, feeling ever. Um, to be able to watch them grow and 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 become or form into this person that you had something to do with, but now they're growing into their own identity. Yeah, and it's and it's like I knew you was like that, but you just never did it. You know, <laughs> exactly. Like, I knew it. I knew exactly. it. Exactly. I knew it. So um, enjoy these moments in life. Um, <laughs> is it anything else you want to say to the listeners? Um, you know, one thing I've always wanted to say is that there's nothing wrong with um there's nothing wrong with being in a in in a long-term committed relationships. Um, you don't have to have drama in your relationship to make it fulfilling. Um, I notice sometimes when you look at the the TV and the news, um people gravitate a, a, a amongst the drama and in the conflict and things of that nature, but when you find someone who you and see one thing about, um, you know, one thing about Jimmy and I that I, I try to let people understand is that our relationship was built on a friendship because we, we, we met each other, you know, we, we, you know, had attraction to each other. We were like, okay, we got common, common things together, things of that nature, but we were friends first. Like we didn't have no baby and then get forced to be together. No, all that came afterwards. So we literally, had a foundation of a friendship, you know, and, and for me, it was a friendship and a mentorship. Cause obviously he's a, he was older. So it's okay to, to, to take things slow. Like you don't have to get married or be with somebody just because you're pregnant or things like that. Like true, true relationships have a, have a foundation of some type of friendship. You know, you can't go from, um, lusting over this person all the time and that's all y'all got in common and then you wonder why when y'all actually become you know committed relationship why it doesn't work because it was it was based on a foundation of lust and not friendship not knowing learning about the other person knowing who that other person is and I believe that that's the reason why Jimmy and I can still say that we're still together um after all these years because um we had that friendship and we established that friendship and one thing we didn't, we did not let anybody dictate our timeline as far as how we did things. You know, when we moved in together was when we moved in together. You know, when we got pregnant, that's when we got pregnant. We had people, you know, trying to force us to get married before we did. Um, we had people even trying to force us to have kids before we even had kids. You know, when we had our son, we had people that had been wanting us to have kids like two years before that. And we were like, no, like we're, we're learning each other. Like we enjoying life. We taking trips together and learning each other and, and all that. So while we want to bring a, a kid in the mix, while we trying to rush and get married. Now I would say this, when we got married in 2004, um, at that time, like, um, like I said, my mother passed in 2006 and in 2004, she had got sick again. And so I was like kind of concerned. I didn't know if she would be able to to be there. But luckily she was able to have, you know, good enough health to be able to be at, at our wedding and things of that nature. But we still got married. On I, The funny thing is Jalil was three years old when we got married. No, he was four years old when we got married. And I didn't even notice. I was actually pregnant on my wedding day. And I was wondering why my dress wouldn't fit because I had got it fitted. <laughs> And on my wedding day, I put it on. I was like, damn, bitch, and got fat. Like, what is going on? Like, oh, my God. Like, literally, they had a hard time zipping my dress up. And we went on our honeymoon and everything and came back and still not still not even knowing I was pregnant. And I think when I finally realized what was going on, I was like about almost four to six weeks when I was pregnant with Layla. And so once again, 
we didn't do anything on anybody else's terms. And when you're in a relationship, it's got to be about you and that person. And even though we got kids and we love our kids and all that, it's still about just Jimmy and I, as far as our relationship is concerned. And you have to focus on that. Because when you start focusing on everything else, that shit poison to your relationship. It really does. When you have all that extra stuff going on, even with your family, all that stuff pours into your relationship and it helps your relationship. I'll tell you this one last thing. I actually had a friend who I had to just kind of give a break to for a while because she was, she was in her marriage and she was having, um, Oh, that looked nice. She was having some issues in her marriage. She was, she was unhappy. It's not one of them typical. They had been together since high school, had kids, da, 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 this. Um, and, um, you know, she found out later, you know, her husband had another daughter that was the same age as her daughter, but she accepted that when it happened. But now fast forward, like, you know, 15, 20 years later, now she's still married to this guy. But like every time I talk to her, she just shitting on him, shitting on their marriage. And I'm the friend that's trying to tell her, like, no, you need to do this with him. You need to talk to him. You need to do this. You need to do this. And she wasn't trying to hear what I was trying to say. She was trying to hear what the single friends was trying to tell her. Girl, go out here and get you a girlfriend. Go out here and get you a boyfriend, all this other type of stuff. And so I had to just like kind of let her go because you don't even realize it. But when you start hearing so much shit about their relationship, you literally subconsciously start looking for see to see if that shit's in your relationship. And you don't even realize by doing that, you open up a door to allowing that type of shit to come in. Cause now you like, oh, well, Jimmy don't do this or Jimmy do this. And he, mm-hmm. you know, you just start them thoughts penetrate your, your brain. And before you know it, you arguing with your significant other over some shit that ain't even there because you, you pulling from somebody else. So I think sometimes you gotta be, you gotta be able to know when you need to kind of put your wall up and be like, you know what? I love you. You're my friend. You're dead in my heart. But like right now, it, this is just saying, like, I'm not pulling that that love from you the way we normally do. And sometimes you just got to let people have their space because it would mess up your relationship. So I tell you this, when Jimmy and I just focus on Jimmy and I, we're great. And so I think that's the one thing that has kept us withstanding is that we just really try to focus on each other. You know, like any relationship, you're going to have times when people get on your nerve. That's anything. Your kids get on your nerve. Your coworkers get on your nerve. Your boss get on your nerve. But it's it's how do you survive all the other stuff? Like once you post the pictures on the book, you know, are y'all still happy? That's the stuff that we're more concerned with than anything else. Just like how we going to keep it going, how we going to keep enjoying this relationship, this marriage and and keep it moving. And now that kids are going away, now we on travel stuff. We just like, we got passports. We got some passports in the last six months. And I'm not going to lie. We just looking forward to, doing international traveling at some point and, and hoping the kids stay straight. And that's, that's about all we, all we looking forward to right now. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, what you just said lastly was not lastly, but what you just, what we said, um, it connects with that. When we was talking about the children, you know, you can be friends with people and not take on their identity. Um, if you don't know, then you have nothing to compare it to. So yep. then you're able to keep that focus between you and your spouse, right? And it's good that you noticed that and you were able to say, okay, I got to shut this down. I got to create some boundaries because what you're doing right now is not healthy for yeah. me. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. And then one thing, we, just, we always just want our kids to, um, you know, too many times you hear about kids growing up without two parents, and it's like y'all, we y'all have a two parent household. Y'all have two college educated parents. We want to show them what that looks like. Like you can go out here and 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 and, and have a successful marriage, and you know, at least one thing our kids can say that they definitely see how we love on each other and how we we have a good relationship, and how they can also see how we're also friends. We're not just mom and dad. But we're also friends with each other. Like we we talk about each other all the time. We crack jokes on each other and everything. Me and Jimmy always talking about each other, cracking jokes on each other. And we like to show our kids that like you can have all that um in a relationship. And there's nothing wrong with a two parent household. There's nothing wrong with this. You don't have to be that that one out of three, you know, statistic that they say one out of three of every household is fatherless. 
Like we we're trying to show you that we're we're not a statistic. Therefore, we don't want you to grow up and become some type of statistics because we're not. Well, I cannot wait to have you both on the show because I have lots of questions um, ready for you both. And we should do a lot of laughing in this podcast in the next one. <laughs> okay. Okay. You you shoot us some days because we, we, we pretty much, we, we, we around, we available. Um, I would say that uh, later this month, we're going to Colorado. Um, for our annual 420 trip, we we'll be yeah, looking yeah. forward to that <laughs> countdown. We are counting down. <laughs> I know I'm well, counting let's try down. Let's all on before 420, so we can bring that okay. up and talk about all of that. Um, uh, talk okay. about all of that. Um, so, okay. to my country, city girl, it was a pleasure having you on. Thank um, you, thank you. I appreciate it. And the takeaways from this is family is important. Love Definitely. yourself, love your family. Give out hugs and kisses because time is limited. Mm -hmm. Who you are, show compassion. Generational trauma is a thing and it should be discussed. Don't keep mm -hmm. it a secret. Mm -hmm. Your healing depends on it. Accept mm -hmm. who you are. Don't be so hard on yourself. Even with bad, uh, bad breath and bloated, be who you are. Yep. <laughs> um, women, you do need a man. Oh, yes. Find peace and being you. And for the Sanders, it's harvest time. And so on that note, if you hang in there with me, I'll hang in there with you. Peace. Yes, ma'am. Appreciate you. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>